This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. Right, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, I'll tell you what, I found something new out this week. What's that, buddy? Nick Saban is... As big a fan as us of D's Nuts. <laughs> uh, did you hear the story when your former running back, Josh Jacobs, was on our show last year? Uh, I don't think so. That's where he said that. Uh, let me play it for you. This is what Josh Jacobs had to say. Uh, Saban just like, he likes to do a lot of like these Nuts jokes. It's funny because like you, I haven't heard one of them since like, middle school and then saving when i went to college saving used to do it a lot so wait 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 what, give me one here <laughs> all right so one day i was catching i caught like five passes um in a row and he was like he was like hey, hey josh if you want to hold all the balls uh hold these i said wait <laughs> so i just sat there i sat there for a second i was like Did he really just said it <laughs> wait 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 he was doing d's nuts to you yeah, <laughs> I was like, Coach, I ain't heard this since middle school. <laughs> uh, Tua confirmed that story there, Coach. Would you like to comment on D's nuts? Hey, how about it, Shane? I never thought, uh, man, leave it to Dan Patrick. I've started to watch a little bit more of his programs here uh-huh. during this pandemic, but he's a hell of an interviewer, and only Dan Patrick could get away asking Nick Saban, you know, to comment on D's nuts. Yeah, did you notice he got a – it was a little awkward there at the end, you know. I don't think he was getting the reaction he was hoping. You know, <laughs> coach, I think coach is just like uh, that one should, you know, whatever happens in Tuscaloosa stays in Tuscaloosa, and that includes these nuts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, I, well, the, one of the favorite ones I've seen uh, of that joke, and, and then we'll move on to football. Was uh, I think it was a Tennessee fan 
probably leave it to a leave it to a volunteer mm-hmm. to contact. And I may be wrong; it may have been somebody else, but I believe they they contacted Alabama, and they were portraying themselves as a new student. And so the the Twitter feedback here, they were asking them, you know, what's their names? And of course, you know, he says his name's D's and. And then they said, D's who? And he's like, D's nuts. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's like, that was probably like the best one that I've seen. But uh, I love it because Coach reminds me of, uh, hell, he reminds me of our, our grandfather. You know, he's once he finds that joke, Mike, you know, he's sticking with it for decades. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to, uh, we've actually got some news around the league. But before we get to that, I thought uh, the fans would appreciate this. Bovada, they've announced new over-under win totals now that uh, we're in SEC play only. Schedule's, you know, drastically different. None of these teams going to have three or four cupcakes on their schedule. It's all SEC action. So I wanted to share with the audience we got some new over-under, Shane. All right, man. Let's do it. Let's start uh, at the top of the list here. Alabama, no surprise to see them at the top. Over-under nine. That's a tough one because... They got to go undefeated to go over, obviously. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I don't know, Mike. That's going to be tough. Ten games, ten SEC games. Uh, I, I may be betting that one. I bet that line moves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Next on the list, Georgia, eight and a half. So that one is makes a little bit more sense, and it's not to say that, you know, Georgia can't go undefeated or even win nine games. But I think eight and a five is a lot more manageable with this kind of schedule. Oh, for sure. All right, LSU next on the list, eight. LSU over or under at eight. Golly, Mike. You know, I want to gamble a lot this year. You know that, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's. I, th- I think I've been bottled up too long. You know, I thought college f- football wasn't going to happen, and now I just – but I'm afraid to pull a trigger on that one, Mike. <laughs> you know, it's like, can I get a little action, you know, because at least – you know, last year I got a little I got a little pumped up by the spring game, you know, and all that stuff. It's just now it's like I don't know. I, I want to see one week of play at least. You know, is that crazy? No, but that's why these numbers are out there, brother. You got to put your faith <laughs> in before we know. know. You know, LSU. You like? Are we gambling? Are, are you going under or over on eight mm, I, for LSU? I think. Man, that's basically a push for me, but. Um... I think I'd go under on LSU at this point. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking eight's like the magical number. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams in the SEC with eight wins. And I just think LSU's going to be one of them. And this could be a nasty, nasty race here at the end of the season. All right, next on the list, Florida, seven and a half. And there's a lot of hype around the Gators winning the East. But here we go. Can't even give them an over-under of of eight because, you know, Mm. they got Texas A&M now on the schedule. So – that's a tough one, but I think you got to favor. You know, here's the tricky part with Florida. I think you favor the over, but mm-hmm. at the same time, there's a lot of speculation that they're going to have some key players opt out. So I think the odds really? makers are, are terrified of the Gators. Who are you, who are you hearing that's probably going to opt out? Well, Kadarius Tony, the senior receiver. Really? Jacob Copeland, sophomore receiver. And then there was speculation Trevon Grimes. Now, Grimes has kind of come out and speculated that uh, he's going to play, but I don't know. Dan Mullen's been kind of hush-hush about all that, so it seems like it's mm. still kind of up in the air. And I, I'm i thinking maybe that has to do with why the 
the spread for the Ole Miss game is kind of low too because they just don't know who's going to be there to play in the game. That's wild, man. I didn't – you know, I, I should probably pay more attention, Mike. I didn't know – I didn't think about a lot of folks opting out. I mean, that's that's their prerogative. If that's what they want to do, by all means, I, I support them. Uh, but, man, that would be a huge blow for the Gators because this is – I mean, say what you want. Everybody has got the Gators at the top. You know, they, they know that this is going to come down between Georgia and Florida in the East. And I don't know, man. Wouldn't that be something if half of them decide not to play? Mm-hmm. All right, next on the list, Auburn at seven. And, boy, man, you, you, of course, you're looking at the other side. they got to get Tennessee. They get Georgia mm-hmm. with the West schedule. I think I'm favoring the under with Auburn. I'm not going to piss off anybody. I'm just going to go with the odds here, Mike, and I'm not going to lock anything down, you know? <laughs> that's SEC Mike, you know? No, no, I'm just kidding. Seven, I mean, that's a good number, but again, I, I think there's just there's there's going to be several of those teams that are going to be sitting there at that seven, eight mark, you know? It's That's a tough one. That's a tough one for me, and it's just when I'm – the big one with Auburn's kind of like what you're saying. It's not just the West, but it's who they got from the East. So, yeah, I, I could I could see it, but I don't know. Going into the season, I was kind of favoring. You know what? I'm going to go the over on Auburn. I just I okay. said it. I said it. Next on the list, Texas A&M, six and a half. That's pretty surprising that it's that low to me. Who's this? Texas A&M, six and a half. Six and a half. Ooh, man. They just got no respect for them Aggies. I think I'm going to go the over on that one, man. I think yeah, that's I'd... one that could shift toward the toward the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, two teams we've kind of talked about all offseason, seeing a lot of similarities, Tennessee and Kentucky, both at five. So, mm. man, imagine, you know, you got so much hype around this season for both these teams, and here we are talking potential five and five season, which – Normally that'd be kind of a disaster, but here in a ten-game SEC slate, not saying anyone would be happy with five and five, but <laughs> you wouldn't really, at the end of the day, say it was a horrible year either, would you? Dude, if you asked me last year, if five wins was going to be acceptable at Tennessee. <laughs> I'd say, damn, bro, it's done. You know, just pick a fork in them. But it's it's a tough schedule. It's a tough draw. I get that, but uh, I'm over. And keep on in both. mind, <laughs> I am. I just. Uh, I think people it, are sleeping. Not not just Tennessee. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I, it's not just Tennessee. It's Kentucky, man. I think I think both these teams uh, are going to be on the plus side when it comes to victories this season. Now it may be six, you know, but I just I don't I don't see that that middle of the road. I I see, I, I see these two teams surprising mm-hmm. a few people in the SEC this year. Well, maybe, but uh, keep in mind every team we've listed, with the exception of LSU. They're on Tennessee's schedule, so you got all these teams oh. going over. I mean, somebody's got to lose. You know what? Oh, everybody wins today, Mike. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right, sitting here, at, uh, sitting here at three, three and a half, South Carolina and Ole Miss. And, boy, you want to talk about some disappointed fans. <laughs> if you only yeah. win in three games at either one of those schools, uh, there's going to be some hell raised. And I know we're going to get to it, Mike, but – Moment of silence for the old Gamecocks today, buddy. Let me drink to that. Yeah, that's where they're at, Mike. Three and a half. Uh, I like the – oh, man. That's tough. I I don't know, man. I'm 
I'm feeling a little under on Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling right now just, and, and I hate to say it, but just with the bad news I heard today, I, I'm gonna, I'm feeling a little. I may have to go under on on the Gamecocks right now. All right, how about our new favorite coach, Missouri, Eli Drakowitz, over under three? No, I think that's a push, Mike. That's crazy to say, you know, SEC teams push at three, but <laughs> that's a tough freaking schedule you got to go through, man. And uh, and like you said, I've already picked some overs here, so I'm going to have to say push on, uh, on Mizzou right now. Wouldn't surprise me if they get some more victories, but this is one of those – that you know, Eli's made comments and jokes that he's he's going to hold back the offense and letting anybody know what's going on. Just unfortunately, he's playing Alabama. You know, I think there's a couple of teams that's on that that is on Mizzou's schedule that that really would help. You know what I'm saying? Like there mm-hmm. there may be some of these, like a Kentucky or a Tennessee game or something like that. That if we didn't know what was happening, who was the quarterback, what kind of offense we're going to be looking at. But the cards will be exposed week one, and unfortunately, it's a tough draw. I just think Bama beats them. But, you know, that element of surprise won't be there week two. And uh, so that's why I'm going to say push on three. All right, Mississippi State, two and a half. I'm trying to figure out what in the hell they're seeing there. Mm. I got to go over on Mississippi State. Yeah, I like over two. Uh, I, I think I like them a little more than Ole Miss, even though that schedule's a little bit easier with Ole Miss. It's just I, I think – I, I just I don't know. I got faith in the pirate. I got faith with their their the offensive weapons. I just I, I think this is the you know almost I think this is going to come down to an Ole Miss Mississippi State and who's going to win. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm at this moment leaning toward the Bulldogs. All right, final two teams, same number here: Arkansas and Vanderbilt, one and a half. I'm feeling pretty good about Arkansas going over. Vanderbilt. Going under, I yeah, think. Yeah, I, I think I think Vandy doesn't win a game this year, and that's crazy. You know, not zero. I think they'll win one. I think they'll win one, but I don't. I don't know. I, no, I don't. I, I just I, I think that uh, I, I like Arkansas to finally get their first SEC, but I just I don't know. I'm just not liking the things that I'm hearing out of Vanderbilt's camp right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, hey, one more thing before we go around the league. You know, we talked about this on the uh, previous show here, but the SEC, for anyone that didn't hear it, they're allowing each school to set the, their own capacity limits for the upcoming season. Now, they have mandated that everybody that goes inside will have to wear a mask, but just wanted to give the listeners the latest up-to-date information that I have around the SEC so I think the last time we talked, Texas A&M, 30% was the leader in the clubhouse. Well, mm-hmm. they've come out and had to reduce that. So <laughs> they're down to 25%, but hell, 25 is better than nothing. Tennessee's yeah. at 25%. Missouri, okay. 25%. Both the Mississippi schools, the governor just came out and said, we're limiting them to 25%. Now here's mm-hmm. the heartbreaker. No tailgating in the state of Mississippi. What? The Grove is just going to be unrecognizable. Now, again, of course, I'm talking on campus. I, you know, I, again, I don't think they can really monitor what you're going to do. But I don't know how you're going to tailgate away from. You know, if you, I don't know. It's just going to be a weird, weird situation. But it is what it is right now. Uh, Georgia, twenty to twenty-five percent. They're saying. Here's the strangest number: Arkansas, twenty-one to twenty-three percent. Okay, so we're getting over that. We're getting over that 20% hurdle. 
And then Alabama, Auburn, and South Carolina have all said 20%. So that's the latest we have on attendance, but <laughs> it seems pretty clear that we're, we're looking 20 25%. I think that's going to be standard practice for whatever reason. Maybe the government's mandating that. I don't know. But And the last thing I have to, on this, I thought this was really cool. This and is the LSU, only... It would have been funny if LSU would have been like 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Local officials there in Louisiana just came out and said they're going to wait about 10 more days. So I don't think we're going to get an answer from LSU anytime soon. But Auburn is doing something that I just think is really cool. I wish they'd all do it. But for the first game of the season against Kentucky, you know, we said Auburn, the max is 20%. They're going to give that 20%, I think, almost entirely to the student population there at Auburn. So Okay. Uh, I think it's just going to be that one game they're doing that. But, hell, I mean, you know, you, we're talking SEC football. You want it to be rowdy and, and you want it, right. you want to, you know, pay tribute to the students and everything. So I just think that was, that's kind of a cool move there by Auburn. No, that is a cool move. I just, oh, Mark, I just, I'm torn. I'm torn with the situation because, you know, it's one thing for the players. But it's it's another thing for the fans. The fans know what they're getting into. If they don't if they if they don't want to be around a group, now I know there's I don't know, there's guidelines in every city and stuff like that. It just feels like they the fans should get to decide, you know, like they know mm-hmm. the ramif- the ramifications if they go in there and get a co- and get COVID. You know what I'm saying? Like it could happen. There's a higher chance because there's more people, but it should be my choice. I, I hate that it's now they're making rules. Okay, so okay, yeah, yeah. Is it fair for Auburn to let their the kids go? Just the kids, the students. Yeah, that's it's a one time experience. You know, they're they're that's one thing I enjoyed when I went to college was going to the football games. But what about those? What about the boosters, man? What about the people that have spent thousands and thousands of dollars toward that university? Shouldn't they? be allowed to go watch the football game. You know, it's it's a time-honored mm-hmm. tradition. It's something they maybe had, they did with their grandparents and grandparents before them and stuff, you know. And now the uh, – I know it's just one year and, and all this stuff, but it's just – I don't know. It just feels like we're jumping through a lot of hoops for this thing. And they should if, – if if your fan is willing to sign a damn waiver, let them sign the waiver. Let them, let them have it, you know. I don't know. I just – well, hell, maybe you ought to be commissioner, Shane. Cause... I would. I would. I'd open the gates, buddy. I Seriously, I would. I'd get one of them little temperature gauge things. Mm-hmm. But before they come to the, the thing, I'd have like a, one of them cool down misters, you know, because it's not fair if you're standing in a parking lot. Of course, it's going to be over 100. You know, you're hot. You've been drinking all day, probably a little dehydrated. You mm-hmm. know, cool them down, bring them up there, check their temperature, let them sign their waiver, and then go in, have fun, man. And then... When at the end of the season, because that's what they're talking about, man. Did you see not see Phil Former sending out these letters to all, all these uh, uh, boosters? And I know Tennessee's not the only one, but all these other universities are hurting, man. And it's only going to be hurting more after a season of 20 and 25 percent of people allowed to go in. You know, if 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 you cut them loose, you get the waivers. It's on the fans. If they go in, that's on them. Now you're saying, well, what about? the ticket people and stuff like that. We'll give them their mask and give them, you know, whatever. They, I mean, they got all those things now, you know, to keep you away from people in N95 masks that are so, you know, so important, you know. Let them wear those and, and check them in and, you know, they could do it like without – they're not doing tickets anymore, you know, so it's all right. virtual. 
Uh, if it's sodas and stuff like that, we'll just have a machine that they have to like, you know, do it themselves. You know, they don't have anybody that they're giving you drinks. It's, uh, or let them bring it in. Hell, Mike, let, you know, be like Bristol, baby, you know, give them a little cooler and say, you can bring a six pack or whatever in, you know, and let's, let's play some football. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that, if I was over it, you know, we'd probably be shut down by some government thing, you know, <laughs> but that's what I do. I'm just tired, man. All year of this can't do this, can't do that. And now it's just like, okay, we're going to have college football, but only 20% allowed. Well, who gets to decide that 20%? That's not fair. You know, I, I think if you're going to do anything, let it be a lottery. I love that. Let the students have a, you know, 5% allotment, you know, and let the, let, let the other fans have 15, you know, and just have a lottery system like golf or something. But, but I don't know. All right. That's, that's me getting off the box, Mike. <laughs> well, fired up shade is a shade we enjoy on the show. You ready to go around the league, buddy? Let's do it, buddy. Now let's go now around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times. Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, we got to start here. Terrible news out of South Carolina. Guy we've been hyping up all offseason. Freshman running back Marshawn Lloyd done for the season. Apparently he was hurt on Wednesday, tore his ACL in a non-contact practice. Just, you know, uh, just a just cut apparently and just the leg gave out and he had to give an MRI and they announced that here on Thursday morning. But my goodness, Shane, it's like this is seemingly the one program in the SEC that can't catch a break. And I particularly feel, you know, obviously feel worse for Marshawn Lloyd, but another guy is Will Muschamp. He just can't seem to catch a break either. No, that's, that's, that was our first thought, man. When we heard this news come out, you know, it's just, this is his year, you know, Muschamp, everything had to go right. I really, I truly believe everything had to go right for Muschamp to keep his job. I may be wrong at the end of the season, but I just felt like, you know, there's this was going. I, I felt like this was going to be the year that South Carolina took a step forward, and it was going to be with this youth. And you know, if you've listened to this podcast, I've I've talked more about Marshawn than I have any running back in the SEC. So I hope I didn't put that evil on him, and I hope that he comes back stronger better you know and i'm sure he will but you just i hate it man because i really thought he was going to take the i thought he was going to take this season by storm there's a lot of people coming out talking about how great he was in camp and Mm -hmm. uh, i don't know man this is it's a tough blow for the gamecocks putting that into context you know you don't have to take our word for it here's what deshaun fenwick had to say the cruelty of this i mean he said this thursday morning i guess he didn't know his teammate you know, had got injured in practice, but uh, one of the running backs on the team asked about Marshawn Lloyd, the impact he's making, and 
I mean, this pretty much says it all. Hey, Deshaun, I uh, asked Kevin the same thing. I'll ask you, too. Um, a lot of the offseason talks been about Marshawn Lloyd. How do you guys feel? I mean, do you feel like you're kind of the, the forgotten men in the room? Not at all. Marshawn Lloyd is an extreme talent. Uh, I love to have a guy like that in my room, and I love to see him work every each and every day. How's he look the first couple of days? Oh, my gosh. You should come see him. I wish you could, but he he really looks extraordinary out there. Uh he looks like he really looks like um how can I say this? Freshman all SEC. All right, so I mean that's just gonna make you feel worse, but it is what it is. Yeah. Marshawn Lloyd was supposed to be the featured player potentially for the entire offense in Mike Bobo's system. Now someone else is gonna have to step up. Maybe they go a little bit more to the air, considering mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of answers at the receiver position right now. That could be dangerous, but you know, we're going to see some other running backs emerge. They did sign the number one junior college running back in the nation in the last cycle. So uh, maybe he'll be the next breakout star. Let's hope he is. So, uh, you know, there's there's certainly hope for South Carolina. It's, this isn't time to I've, – I've, I've seen some fans say we're opting out. But this is our <laughs> opt-out. <laughs> I'm not ready to go there yet. I mean, it, it usually seems like when we count South Carolina out, that's when they, you know, play their best. So – and, hell, they got Mike Bobo. And the more I hear from this guy, the more I like. He met with the media here on Thursday as well. So let's kick it over to Mike Bobo talking about Marshawn Lloyd and losing him for the year, what that means for South Carolina. And then I thought he, uh, Coach Bobo got really two really good questions here on you know finding South Carolina's offensive identity and how long it will take to install his offense. Right off, uh, obviously some really bad news just a few minutes ago with Marshawn being out for the year. How much of a blow is that to your offense? How much do you have to restructure now that you won't have him this season? Well, it's obviously devastating. First of all, it's devastating for the young man, uh, Marshawn. And I can't say enough. I know Will is talking about Marshawn. Uh, and been in front of the media a lot more than I have. But what what an amazing young man Uh, since he's been here. Uh, he's been nothing but all in. Uh, he is, you know, there would never, when I got here, we were recruiting a young man and, you know, I watched his tape and I'm like, this guy's special. And I got a chance to meet him and meet his mom and meet his sisters. Uh, and just a remarkable young man that, you know, he's not about anything. He wasn't about recruiting. He was about coming here. This was the place for him. And he wanted to help South Carolina be successful uh, on and off the field. And I still think he'll have that impact. Uh, it's a It's a tough time. Uh, I haven't had a chance to visit with him. I know Coach Kitchens has. I know some of our players have talked to him that have been through injuries. Uh, you know, I've coached you know a long time and had lots of guys that have been through injuries and have come back and come back even stronger. It's hard for a young man to see that right now, uh, but I know Marshawn's the type of guy that's that's going to be able to get through that. You know, he's obviously got his family at home, but he's got his family here. You know, as far as football, uh, Coach said it today. Uh, you, know, you know, man, man down, man, next man's up. Uh, mentality, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. We we're watching tape yesterday and I was talking about, you know, some talented guys we have on the team and, you know, Marshawn was one of those guys and, you know, just said, you know, there's not, a, there's not a lot of them, you know, of, of guys that you think can be difference makers, but we got to find a way, uh, to put the difference makers we have in position to be successful. And that's, that's part of what we were going to do in camp anyway. Um, you know, we're two days in, we've been in helmets. Uh, we're about to start the nuts and bolts of camp and try to figure out what we can do offensively. You know, and, and the sad thing about this sport, that's not going to be our last injury. 
Uh, it's not going to be the last one that, you know, hopefully we uh, don't have many in camp or many this season, but there's going to be injuries and we're going to have to overcome uh, as a team. And that's what we plan to do. Hey, hey Mike, um, you mentioned in the spring that you needed to wait to get into the fall and get your guys uh, the rest of the recruiting on campus before you could really kind of pinpoint an identity for, for your offense and, and, and so forth. Where are you in that point in terms of, you know, starting to figure out how you want to want to run a particular game and, and what the kind of offense, offensive identity will be? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And I basically address this, uh, that question uh, with our team in the first me meeting. I said, that's one of our objectives is this camp is to find identity. I have an, I have an idea of what I think we're going to become. But at the end of the day, I got to let it play out uh, in practice, and that goes back to who's you know what what personnel group are we most productive? Now you're going to see all of it from us, but what's going what are we going to be you know major in? Are we going to major in eleven personnel? Are we going to major in twelve personnel? Are we going to major in a you know a two back set? And I, and I've done all of that uh, in in my career offensively at, at different staffs and, and, and different stops. You know, but it's always something that you got to figure out offensively. And it's hard, and it's, you know, I got an idea, but we got to go out there and we got to put on the pads. Uh, and I got to see some things uh, with the guys in pads and see some of these, you know, young guys. And now with the injury with Marshawn, you know, the new the running back, White, uh, coming into the fold and some of these other guys, we got to see what they can do. Mike, you hear all the time about, uh, you know, installing your offense. <clears throat> How long does it take to fully install your offense, especially when you only had five spring practices and now you have something like today where you lose a guy who was expected to be a major contributor? Well, uh, I'm going to go back to what the NCAA allowed us to do in the summer. Uh, was definitely beneficial for us to install uh, our offense. I would say probably 75 to 80 percent uh, of – Offense has been installed, and now we've got to see what direction we're going to go. And, you know, there are some nuances within that installation of things you can do off certain things that we haven't got to, but the, the nuts and bolts of it is in. Now we've got to go out and practice it. Now we've got to, as a coach, you know, we've had a lot of walkthroughs and a lot of OTAs. You know, I'm kind of wanting to go to that next step, but i got to realize have we mastered, you know, some of the finer points of route running, these certain routes the way I want them run? No, the answer is no. So i got to be patient and realize that, you know, we still got, you know, you know, over a month before we play a first game. That's an eternity uh, in football. Coach Muschamp was going over the schedule yesterday with our staff, and he's going over all, uh, August, and I'm, you know, I'm like, man, we got, it's here. And then I flipped the page to the September, and you don't play to September 26th. So you got to realize that, you know, you, you don't need to go too fast because you still – it is a new offense. I might understand it, and the, I feel good about where our coaches are, but at the end of the day, it's what your kids know. Uh, what do they feel comfortable going to the game executing? If they're not comfortable with it or, or don't understand it, then the chance of them playing fast and having success uh, is not very high. So that's what we've got to do. We got to feel what, feel what we figure out what we can do and what our kids feel good about, and take that into the game. All right. So I mean, just listening to Coach Bobo, I think it gives. I don't know about you, Shane, but it gives me some added confidence that. You know, we finally got some direction here in South Carolina on the offensive side of the ball. We got a coach that knows how to develop quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. You know, we just had Halinski on the podcast, and he was sounding like he was locked in. And it, it sounds all, all good and well, but I have a lot more confidence in this offense after listening to Coach Bobo because it seems like he shoots it pretty straight here. 
Yeah, no, and, and, and you know, it's funny because when I think of South Carolina offense, the, you know, it was a lot of smoke and mirrors the last few years, you know, as these guys are going to come in, they're going to do great things. It's going to be a totally new thing. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I still felt like that was, I'm not saying Muschamp had anything to do with it, but that was his, still his baby. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like Mike Bobo's going to have a little bit more of a free reign over there, which may be the best thing that ever happened to South Carolina. So I, I just, I don't know. The more, like you said, the more things I, I hear out of camp, uh, the more things I keep seeing from uh, from the uh, from the fans, it's I don't know. I, I like this offense and I like this new direction. I just, you know, they did lose a big piece today, but Mike Bobo's been around enough enough talent, and he's you know he's suffered losses along the way, and he knows how he knows who the playmakers are, and I think he'll get them the ball. So uh, I still think this is going to be a hell of an offense. Mm-hmm. All right, next let's uh, skip it down to Starkville, Mississippi, where. Hey, finally, we got Coach Leach here in a presser that, you know, the only other one we've had, I think, so far is his introductory press conference. But finally, we got the coach hitting the field here in Starfield, leading his team out there. And, uh, man, it was there were some funny moments in this one. We'll lead it off with his uh, Jetson comments here. But everybody wants to know about the quarterback competition. How are they looking? K.J. Costello, Garrett Schrader, uh, Mike Leach kind of – clues us in on on the timeline that he'd like to have for this offense and then you know we've heard Leach kind of talk about this we've heard his former quarterbacks on the pod talk about it you know how they simplified the offense there and that you know is really key to the success Mm -hmm. Mike Mike Leach says they're gonna have to even you know simplify it even more probably given that they didn't have spring football in most of the summer okay Another technical thing. Uh, these these uh, these things are fun. The Zoom meetings, aren't they? Um, yeah, I feel like I'm on the Jetsons. All right, go ahead. Next guy. I know you talked in the preseason about quarterback battles, and you're hoping to have kind of two guys pegged going into the fall. Uh, with losing spring spring ball, where do you guys kind of stand with that? And have you guys named a starter quarterback, if at all? No, we haven't. Uh, I doubt we will until maybe as late as. Uh, uh, the week before, uh, you know, the, the game week. It, uh, I hope it doesn't extend that far, but it certainly could. Um, so we're trying to roll them through as we can in these practices, get the best look that we can. It'll be uh, more of a sudden decision than I would like because, um, you know, you'd like to see more body of work out of all of them. Uh, today uh, we repped uh, K.J. Schrader and uh, Will Rogers. Coach, how would you assess K.J. Costello's performance so far? Uh, I would say a work in progress, I, although I would say that really about all of them. I think that K.J.'s experience, I think, helps in some. And then uh, and he's still, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, everybody knows each other's name and whatnot. But um, as far as uh, K.J. Uh, being in tune with uh, this guy goes here, that guy goes there, and it's been a little tough because we've, we've repped an awful lot of receivers. Uh, just like quarterback, we're trying to uh, quickly take the opportunity to see who can do what, and uh, we get them slotted in the best position we can uh, in a short period of time. But the more that that gets tuned in, uh, the better it'll be. But I think he does a really good job of uh, taking uh, charge of the huddle. I think he does a good job of uh, uh, you know knowing the offense on the run. Um, and I, I, uh, 
I've been pleased with him, but still we've got a ways to go. Yeah, Mike, in terms of playbook implementation, especially for, you know, a, a group of players that are learning an entirely new system, and with it kind of being more of a sprint to this season as opposed to regular years, is there any simplification that you have to use, or, or is it just, you know, business as usual? No, I think we'll have to simplify some things. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, we have to be as disciplined about as we can because, um, you know, I'll tell you what happens is, uh, you know, like it was at Washington State however many years, I forget how many, but, um, you know, that was something that was built over a series of years and the fact that, uh, you know, somebody that's a junior or senior that came up with this, you know, knows this, that, and the other thing and various wrinkles or, maybe something a little more exotic or something like that, uh, that we can uh, all of a sudden master that in a very short period of time, that's not realistic. And I think that we need to constantly be aware of that. And I would appreciate it if uh, um, you remind me of that on pretty much a daily basis, because we definitely need to, um, you know, the best plays are the ones you can execute. And we have to figure out what we can execute what we can execute best we're still searching for that a little bit but i do think there will definitely have to be some uh some simplification all right shane so pretty good stuff here from leach not you know the he didn't get into aliens or bigfoot or nothing <laughs> like that i guess he's waiting to the season to we get to that point but uh you know it's kind of kind of cool to hear mike leach actually talking some football and talking about some of these players and you know, Mississippi State, obviously the last couple of years since Dan Mullen left, we've just been mired in a terrible, terrible offense. And, I mean, if anybody can fix it and anyone can do it quickly, you got to think it's Mike Leach. Dude, I kept waiting, man. I was like, okay, he's going to mention a mascot or Bigfoot here any minute. You know, <laughs> but then, then I was thinking, you know, that's, this may be the first time I've ever listened to Coach talk about football, you know, and <laughs> – I, it didn't. It didn't dawn on me. I just. I'm, I hang on every word he says, just because I know he's about to say something crazy. But you know, he's still. A, he's still an offensive guru, man. And he's. He's going to have these boys ready. I, I know. He's. He's. He's one of. The, he's kind of like Eli. I guarantee. He's holding back some things, and you're going to see some things from this offense that you've not seen at any of his stops. You know, I guarantee, man, he's been staying up at night just thinking of crazy plays, you know. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. And, you know, I think he's really eager to prove himself because there's so many doubters there that, you know, this this damn system's not going to work in the SEC where we play real football. This ain't the Pac-12 where, where they don't play yeah. defense. This ain't the big Big 12, which actually when he was there, they were actually were playing decent defense, but this is a different animal. And we think some of these players got big egos. These coaches are the ones, a lot of them got the biggest egos in the world. And, yeah. and they're, they're a very competitive bunch, and he knows what he's getting himself into. He knows he's going against the best of the best and some of the most elite players in the country. So I think uh, Mike Leach is going to have something the SEC is not really ready for. Yeah, don't don't forget. There's a lot of universities that didn't take a chance on him. You know, I'm I'm sure he had his name in several hats. Uh, you know, when when opportunities came up, I know I know Tennessee for sure. You know, and he just didn't get that chance. And finally, Mississippi State does it. So this is yeah, he's he's got a lot to prove down there, not just to to the Bulldog 
fans, but to the nation that he's he's one of the best coaches that that exists. So uh, I'm I'm very interested. I'm very eager to see what this offense is going to look like. All right, let's skip it down to uh, Oxford State in the state of Mississippi, where Auditorio, miss. Yeah, it looks like Lane Kiffin saves all his A material for these SEC network interviews and not the pressers because <laughs> he didn't have much to say during his first press conference of the spring, but he was on SEC network recently and he was asked about, you know, the matchup week one against Florida. Give us some good thoughts there on finally facing Nick Saban going head to head and kind of called out Paul Feinbaum here. It's pretty funny. And then uh, here's something that, uh, you know, even pardon the interruption, recently called out Kiffin on these comments, just kind of his belief that these Big Ten and Pac-12 players should be allowed to, you know, leave and, and go somewhere else and how the NCAA is not going to allow allow that to happen. Yeah, we uh, released the schedules yesterday, you might have heard, and uh, you guys open up at home against Florida. Lane, when you first saw that as your opener, what did you think? Uh, we're excited. Um, one to be at home, and another to play a top ten team in Florida. Great tradition, and and always great players, and and always a challenge on both sides of the ball, especially you know defensively. They always got great defensive players, and so um, you know I think it's exciting. You know, it's like having a big opener. You know that your players can look forward to. Um, you know, has has always been a good thing. Yeah, and then we all, of course, look down the schedule. When do they play Alabama? When's he going to play Nick Saban? Well, it's week three. We don't have to wait that long. You know, by that point, we all know the record, right? Nick could be 20 and 0 against his former assistants. Now, 20 seems like a nice round number to end on. And our your buddy Paul Feinbaum, of course, thinks you'll be the first former assistant to beat him. Is that fun to hear, Lane, or is that rat poison? I think that's Paul just trying to get his ratings up by saying something people people would really either like or dislike, depending on what teams they're fans of. Um, so uh, that's the last thing on our mind right now. We got so much work to do. Just, I mean, we've had two practices um, with our team ever. You know, we never had spring ball, so we have so much work to do. And in the schedule now, with you know teams not playing and all SEC, I mean, I mean, almost every week. You know we're playing a top 20 team, so I think we got half, you know half of the top 15 or something like that on our schedule. So let's go. You know we're all excited in these parts because we hope that we are going to be playing football, as you obviously well know. Major conferences, two of them, are not going to play, which means a lot of really great football players will not play this fall. What would be your take? <clears throat> what is your take on the idea? of players transferring from major conferences that are not playing to ones that we think are playing just because their league shut the door on fall football. Yeah, I think, Darry, with all the storylines that are going on, this one's been missed. Um, I think it's a shame. Uh, you know, kids are getting their team, their schools deciding or their conferences deciding to shut down. And so they can't play. And a lot of them got a lot of money on the line for the next level or they just want to play their last years. And so it's really unfortunate that the NCAA is not allowing them uh, to transfer and be eligible immediately. Um, you know, we're being told that that wouldn't even go into a waiver process. So I feel really bad for those kids. It's not their fault. Well, why can't they come play somewhere? So that, that don't make any sense to me. Is, is that something that you are engaged in any conversations? Do you, you're trying to get a football team ready for games in six weeks, so I understand that. But as a head coach and a representative of a university, do you broach that conversation with people within the NCAA yourself? 
Uh, I've asked that question, um, you know, you know, via our conference. You know, um, when it first started happening. You know, are these kids going to be allowed to go play? And um, I was told, you know, that will not be in the waiver process. And so, mm -hmm. if they're not grad students, they're going to have to. They're going to have to sit. And majority of them aren't grad students. So it. Very unfortunate for the kids, especially in an era that we're finally now figuring out do the best things for the kids, and this would be one of them. All right, Shane, so some really good stuff here from Kiffin, and I thought, you know, not only aside from his funny Feinbaum quotes, and <laughs> I know we've kind of talked about the fact that, uh, you know, the Ole Miss roster he's inheriting, he kind of keeps giving all these hints that, you know, it's not quite where he thought it would be or where he wanted it to be, and it's going to be an uphill climb. So I think he's really – kind of promoting the fact that he would welcome some some help down there in Oxford. But mm -hmm. even if there's not a single player in the Pac-12 or Big Ten that want to come to Ole Miss and they all would go to Mississippi State, you know, not that that's the reality, but even if that was the case, nothing what Lane Kiffin is saying here is inaccurate, is it? No, nothing, man. I think these boys should, especially this year, you know, with everything going on. I, I think these other conferences, if they're not going to play, they should be able to go to other schools in the SEC, the ones that are competing. And uh, it kind of surprises me that we haven't seen more more attempts with this uh, with this transfer. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen a handful of guys as graduate transfers, and then here, now it's not official yet, but the NCAA is considering allowing all players across the board to play this year. And not lose a single year of eligibility. So <laughs> that means like Garantano could come back next year for a ninth <laughs> season of Tennessee. <laughs> and uh, I mean, across the board. And I, I would assume players can still, you know, go to the NFL if that's what they want to do. I think the players that were eligible would certainly do that. But I think you'd see a lot other players, you know, cash in on that extra year if the NCAA allows that. So, I mean, that kind of just adds to what Kiffin is saying here. It's like we're giving you know, these players an extra year, yet these players that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have just kind of said, you can't do anything this year. You're kind of, It's almost like they're locked in a damn jail or something. Yeah, I'd love – somebody tweeted today, uh, leave it to Tennessee to have a player not get eligible on a season where no one loses eligibility. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean that's uh, that's dead on, isn't it? Yeah, that that is dead on. Uh, I I don't know, man. How do you feel about this? I mean, they they first came out. Some of them were talking about maybe doing you know five games, which is still half the season, Mark, and or you know the whole season, and you get your eligibility back. I mean, what what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the fear is, you know, we're going to get to a point where a mat. It, you know, it doesn't matter how many games. Could be one game, could be two, could be eight. But imagine they make it that far in the schedule, and then the entire season is lost due to some tragedy with coronavirus, you know? Right, right. Now, I'm certainly not saying that's going to happen or predicting or hoping or God knows I'm not anything like that. But I think that's that's ultimately the reason there where, you know, these guys are putting in so much work and, and getting to play and then – if the thing just gets yanked out from under them, I just don't think it'd be right to say, well, you, you played an X amount of games. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think this is kind of the only way they got to do it, but I don't, well, I like the opposite. Let's, you know, let's go in with the glass half full, not empty, you know, mm -hmm. let these guys play, 
keep your rules the same. And then if for some reason week eight or week seven, we've got to cancel the season. If that happens at that point, grant the eligibility. Don't do it up front because if you do that, you're going to create a reverse scenario of what we were talking about of not having a season. If we didn't have a season, we talk about players like Miles Britton not getting the opportunity. Right. Well, you know, if you let some of these play, all these guys come back, here again, you're going to have underclassmen that never get to see the field because these guys couldn't make it in the league and wanted to play one more year of college football. So I, I, I'm not a big fan of this, this eligibility. Um, well, I also think I think there's a, there's other ways to look at it that we're probably not yet looking at it. But imagine like the players in the Pac-12 or Big Ten that aren't playing, and they probably won't have an option well, to play in the true. spring. You know, or do they just lose a year? I mean, that's not right. No. And at the same time, you know, not that we've seen a ton of kids opt out in the SEC, but there have been a few, and. You know, some of them are, are opting out to go to the NFL, but some of them are opting out and wanting to return the next year. So do they lose a year? So I think this is just the NCAA's way of, of trying to make this mess less of a mess, if that makes sense, so that they don't have to give out waivers and they don't have to say, well, how, wait, how many games did you play in? Or, you know, your team canceled the year, so we got to figure this out. It's just across the board. It is weird, you know. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work out. I mean, the next year are, are the are the rosters going to be 150 players, you know, because we got <laughs> we still got incoming recruits, you know. Right. So, so I, I have no idea how this is going to work out, but it is kind of interesting all the different angles here. What a what a day what a day to be alive, Mike. I just you know, <laughs> I, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm happy college football's here, and, and like I said, I keep going back. I'll I'll take it, what however we, we can get it. You know, it's just I just don't like I don't like some of these like giant decisions that that affect every single. I mean, when the NCAA does something, mm-hmm. it, it affects everybody. You know, so I don't know. I just I want to I don't want to tank the season, okay? Because the Big Ten bowed out. You know, because the pack right, bowed right. out. Let's, you know, that's why, why, why give them a, mess up all this eligibility stuff. I just, I don't know. If you're that worried about letting them play, then release him and let them transfer to the SEC, and then we'll let the good ones play. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last team to jump to. Let's go down to Baton Rouge real quick. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Where Miles Brennan. You know, we finally got to hear from him, so I just thought fans would appreciate this. Yes, we've been talking about it all offseason. This kid's been very patient, waited behind. He did actually play a couple of games before Joe Burrow showed up, so it's been that long since he's been kind of working the bench. He, you know, He's played a little bit in some of these blowouts, but it's finally his time to shine, and he admitted it. You know, He's thought about transferring during his career at LSU, and uh, who could blame them, you know, for giving everything that they, that they brought in these other quarterbacks and they beat them out and everything? That's typically when these guys leave. But Miles Brennan's sticking it out. He's ready to shine this year. And then this is the guy that I've been – not that I've been down on Marshawn Lloyd, but the freshman I'm high on, Eric Gilbert. Miles Brennan asked about that. And, I mean, he could not even hide how excited he is to throw the ball to Eric Gilbert. It's – it's been talked about um, probably a good bit, and I mean, I've, I've thought about it, I wouldn't say a lot, but I mean, it's definitely crossed my mind in previous years, 
And, you know, like I've said before, there's a reason I came here, and I feel very confident in my decision for staying here. Um, you know, I, when I came in, I, I knew that I was going to have to, to fight for a starting position, and I'm still fighting, you know, and I, and I have to earn that position. But I wasn't going to let adversity or, or any challenges get in the way and make me crumble. You know, I was going to stay strong and uh, bite the bullet and, and fight each day and, until I wanted um, and, and earned, you know, what I deserve. And so here I am today. Um, you know, I'm still fighting each and every day to, to earn that position. Um, but, you know, every morning I wake up and, and I tell myself just win the day and, and be the best I can. Yeah, I mean, just having him out there is, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, he, he, he runs like a receiver, but, you know, we have obviously he's, he has the body type of a tight end. Um, and I don't think he's missed a single pass since we started camp. Um, you know, just he's an outstanding athlete, and we are very, very, very grateful to have him on the roster. All right, Shane, so thoughts on what Miles Brennan had to say here? And, you know, with all these weapons LSU have at the receiver position, I think that's going to free up El Eric Gilbert to make a ton of plays this year. Boy, don't you just love hearing that, Mike? That's just great news. You know, I'm glad he's got him to throw to down there. Wish he would have went with his quarterback, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, can you imagine? I mean, this this kid, this if nobody knows Gilbert, dude, I've watched plenty of highlight videos of this kid. He is an absolute beast. And what LSU, what Miles has to throw to, that's why I've just, I, I like the over, you know, just because I, I just think they've got so many weapons, you know, so many opportunities for, for I, granted, the offensive line part scares me a little bit, mm -hmm. but it's people like Gilbert that are going to be, you know, his safety blanket, his his safety valve, kind of like Clydesdale last year, just somebody he can always rely on to dump it to. He's a big-bodied boy, and, and he's athletic, man. He's just an absolute beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can't wait to see him play. All right, Shane, so that's all I got on this one. You got anything before we hop off here? I got some reviews. Uh-oh. Well, first off, Mike, I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, you know, the, the ratings and reviews, those really do help us out. And if you if you get one in, be sure to screenshot it and send it to Mike at That SEC Podcast. And uh, we'll not only read it online, but Mike will send you a koozie of your choice. So the first one here, this one comes from Accidental Southerner. Funny and informative. Five star. This podcast is just what I needed to get out of the COVID blues. Almost makes an LSU lifer want to root for Tennessee football. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Worth every penny, but it's free, ain't it? Go Tigers. Well, the Accidental Southern, it is free, and I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one, Southern. Next one comes from H. Nasty. Cool name. Great show. Five star. Mike and Shane are awesome. I drive a truck for a living, and I enjoy listening and catching up on SEC news. LSU fan by birthright. Even though they're a Vol fans and a Texas A&M fan, <laughs> it's still my favorite show. Well, H. Nasty, I appreciate you. And don't forget to thank your truck drivers because everything in your house was brought to you by them. Absolutely. Thanks for that one, H. Nasty. Next one comes from Shop Dog USA. What a relief. Five star. I stumbled across your podcast a few weeks ago in a desperate search for SEC football news. What a treasure. 
You all do a fine job sharing the latest college football news in an informative, fun, and humorous sweat, uh, manner. Sorry, I married a Tennessee gal many years ago, and she's become an avid listener as well. Can't wait for the games to begin. Keep up the great work. Best wishes from Asheville, North Carolina. Well, Shop Dog USA, I appreciate you and your wife. Yeah, I appreciate you, dog. And hey, break it, break out your wife's phone. <laughs> Give us another one. <laughs> Did you know that Asheville was rated the happiest place in the United States a few years back? No, I had I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I think I got a little bit of that wacky tobacco over there too, Mike. <laughs> Next one comes from Fit Mama or best football podcast out there. Five star. These guys know their stuff. Anytime I need to go anywhere, I turn these guys on to keep me entertained on my drive. The in-depth analysis combined with their hilarious sense of humor makes this podcast amazing start to finish. Highly recommended to any and all SEC football fans. Well, Fit Mama 4, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one, Mama. Last one. This one comes from D Animal 1978. Great podcast. Five star. I just started listening to your podcast during the COVID-19 shutdown, and I love it. I'm a tried and true Georgia fan, and I listen to my fair share of pods, specifically for the dog fans. But it's so nice to hear one that treats each team with respect, even though you may have your respective allegiances. Much respect to both of you. Stay safe. Bruno, I ain't got time for that. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Much respect. He's just trying to warn me that somebody's here. You know, I get on to him. He's just trying to protect my life, Mike. Bruno, I apologize. You bark away, brother. Much respect to both of you. Stay safe out there, and I hope to run into you guys at a game sometime. Well, go dogs. Go dogs, baby. <laughs> Bruno, go dogs. All right. So, I yeah, appreciate well, that one, D Animal. And, uh, you know, Shane said it there. All you got to do is send those out to that SEC podcast. He forgot the most crucial part at gmail.com. You can't just throw that out there to us. You got to get the Gmail in there. But uh, happy to send you a beer koozie free of charge for those five star reviews. That's just our way of saying thanks. We really do appreciate each and every one of those. That's right. You got a cold beer and a koozie. Send it to us in the Twitter world, and we'll be sure to retweet that as well. All right, Shane. So, I, man, I'm just getting fired up for football. We're less than, or no, we're right around a month away. We're heading into the weekend. And just as we get into more and more closer to the season there's just going to be more and more content to talk about some exciting stuff i'm getting fired up buddy oh yeah me too bruno's fired up too you know he's ready for some college football <laughs> baby so yes uh any oh also uh, i apologize we did have a couple of mailbag questions and we're going to get to that next week so if you got any mailbag questions send them to our twitter page send them to the reddit page uh, or even Gmail. And again, that's that SEC podcast. That's the handle on all of them. Yes, sir. All right, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks everyone for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. <laughs> <laughs>